It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanham. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi. This is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, TV Light Podcast, the Papers Podcast, the only Flyers Podcast. Hockey. What is it? And in the grand scheme of things, how much does it really matter? How much do the games matter? How much do things off ice matter? And is it possible that the Philadelphia Flyers are no longer the team that's going to be making as much national news as another team that just had an owner go absolutely berserk a day ago? We're going to get into all of it, folks, because there's a lot to dissect. And maybe, maybe a lot of positivity on today's podcast, including the fact that your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers have now won, not just one, but two games in the month of February. Guys, don't call it a comeback. Mathematically, no, no, no. the Flyers no, no. can still no, no. make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Nay, nay. Nay, nay, Russell. What? Only one what? of those games was in the month of February. I... The other one was I on what? January? Was it one on the 31st? <laughs> no, no, it was the 29th, I think, was the uh, listen, game. Well, listen, <laughs> February only has 28 days, so we can just, like, shift the calendar. So that was, like, in between <laughs> January and February. That was February. So we're good. Lou Brown? You want my best Blue Brown now? Please wait. Okay. We won a game yesterday. If we win today, it's called two in a row. And if we win again tomorrow, it's called a winning streak. It has happened before. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Little major league (laughs) kick off the show today. It's it's so appropriate, guys, for what's gone on the last few days. It's perfect yes, yes i don't even is. know where we yes, start we we have some positive things some negative things of course i you know didn't introduce the other guys but you know you know who they are at this point we got anthony sanfilippo at and san philly bundy at c terrian six on twitter um listen uh, the one thing i want to say about the go team, ahead, look, go we, ahead we don't there's nothing there's a lot more to talk about that's taking place away from the, the, the on ice game um at this point as we hit the all-star break the only thing i wanted to just quickly mention about the on the team on ice Right now, yeah, they won two in a row. Big deal, doesn't matter. They're still, you know, nowhere close. Um, but Carter Hart, to me, I think it's worth mentioning that, th- that this is, this guy has really been impressive to me in the sense that he could have he could have really gone off the edge after what happened last year, and then for the team to come out and, and be as bad as they've been this year, it could have just been, you know, the end for him real quickly. And and he was able to turn it around, and he's been 
he's been pretty damn good for this team as bad as they've been this year. If you look at his numbers and you're saying, well, they're not, they're just kind of pedestrian. Well, they are, but not for such a bad team. Like if you look at the other goalies on, on bad teams around hockey, he's far and away better than what they are because of how, and that just goes to show how well he's playing despite the fact that he's playing for a bad team. So I do want to give him credit. I do want to say shout out to Carter Hart for on, for on ice play, because it, it, it's the one thing as bad as the season's going, right. When you look forward, you can at least sit there and say, at least there's a goalie. Yeah. At least, but you know what, Anthony, the other flip side of that is, you know, again, when the games were really meaningful, I'm not, and, and you're right. Carter Hart's been really good lately. He's competed hard. You know, I wonder for a goaltender in a situation like that, that's gone through a lot. There's been a lot that's gone on with this team, you know, the, the, the pandemic, him trying to find his footing. Uh, I often wonder though, with that, is it because he playing better because there's no pressure on the games. Like they're just, you just go play now. You know, if you lose another game, who cares, right? It doesn't matter. No one's paying attention anymore. But that first 30, 40 games of the year when everything did matter and you were in the hunt, was that pressure too too much? You know, those are things that you find out over time about who people are in, in pro sports. And the guys that you think have the better mental makeup are the ones that end up playing eight or 10 years or a little or longer. Um, so that to me is, is an interesting one, but you are right. He's been really, really good lately, competitive, making stops and giving the Flyers a chance. And that's been the difference really for probably the wins, making that one or two saves in critical time. So I do, I'll, I'll join you in kudos to him. As the one of us on this uh, show with the most NHL experience, let me speak from my experience here as that. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's easy, especially like when you think about who Carter Hart is and like what Carter Hart has been to this point in his career. And you think about like when he initially came into the league, there was all the talk about like speaking to a sports psychologist about like maintaining good, like mental stability, mental health. Like that was a big thing in the early going. And like, I think we've seen in the past that when the team struggles or has struggled in the past, there have been times that maybe he kind of feels sorry for himself and like the, the body language changes and then everything just kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of, of just negativity that like, you know, everything rides on the kid. And then when it doesn't go well, it all falls apart. Really like kudos to him this year, because I think it actually speaks to the fact that like he's matured as a, as a, yeah. as a man and as a player that he's able to go back out and like everybody knows that at this point, this is a bad team and that like things in front of him are not great. But he's going out there and he's giving his all. And like, for the most part, as Ant pointed out, like the numbers are pretty freaking solid relative to what the, the quality of product is in front of him. So like, if, if nothing else, this has maybe been the Carter Hart bounce back season. I think now is the fair time for us to take a, a quick recap on our hot takes from the beginning of the season. Uh, Bundy was the one who said that if Carter Hart has a bad year, the team can't go anywhere. And now we look at this and it's like, the team's just bad. So this isn't a Carter Hart problem. This is just a, an overall problem. But I think Bundy's hot take so far has actually held up pretty well. Uh, Anthony's hot take was that Claude Giroux would be a point per game player. Um, and, and that was holding pretty well. And, and honestly, he's not that far off. Giroux yeah, goes into this all-star, like Giroux goes into the all-star break second on the team in scoring 35 points in 42 games. And then my hot take was that um, Oscar Lindblom would have more goals at the end of the year than Travis Konechny. Konechny's got eight. Lindblom has six. There's still time. There's still hope. So, I mean, look, I'm not saying I don't call this a prognosticators podcast for nothing, guys. Like we, <laughs> we we've done pretty well to this point. So let's just have a yeah. moment here. Uh, do a little stretching first before we pat ourselves on the back. We don't need to pull a tricep or a lat or anything. So uh, kudos to us on a, on a job well done. All right. 
the hockey team, we we can be done there. There, there is one thing, obviously, that, that broke. Uh, Claude Giroux named the captain of the Metropolitan Division team uh, at All-Star Weekend by virtue of Alex Ovechkin entering the COVID-19 protocol. So, um, guys, we're uh, is this like a nice way to kind of cap things off for Giroux? The, obviously, the expectation is that he will be dealt. Uh, is it nice to kind of give him one final all-star game, one final run here as a member of the Flyers? And and what can the organization realistically do to kind of celebrate this kind of achievement as such for him, for his family, and for the fans who, you know, I think for the most part are appreciative of the guy and are, are going to be kind of sad to see him go? Yeah, I, you know, go ahead, Anthony. Well, no, I, 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 so I think that the, I think that him replacing Ovechkin as captain, obviously Ovechkin can't play. He went into the uh, COVID protocol. Um, it, it's a good thing for the, for, in a lot of ways, for the broadcast of, of the, of the whole uh, All Star Weekend because there's no doubt he's going to be a hot conversation topic, right? I mean. You know, there's going to be, well, will he waive the no trade clause? Well, yeah, but uh, we all know he's going to here. Like, like locally, we know, but nationally, it's going to be, you know, well, what if he does? He's been, uh, you know, he's the second all time leading scorer for the Flyers. He's a uh, franchise icon. And they're going to trade him away. And so, you know, those kinds of questions are going to be talked about a lot. So to have him in a more elevated position, I think, kind of helps the league and the broadcast for this weekend. Um, but in reality, I mean, it's just, I don't think that, the, I don't think it's like, oh, let's throw, you know, Claude Giroux a bone to make him the captain. I just think that they looked at the roster and said, okay, it's not Ovechkin. Uh, who else? <laughs> and they happened to pick, happened to pick Giroux because he's probably the most veteran guy, I would think, um, of the remaining players on the, on the Metropolitan team. So, um, so yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's really to, to celebrate Claude as much as it is to let's make this a great talking point. Yeah, I agree with Anthony on that one, too. I mean, it's a nice gesture. The guy's been in the Metro his entire career. And prior to that, the, what was it, or the Eastern Division? I don't remember. The Met, uh, what was it before the Metro, Anthony? Uh, Not anybody, it was the old Patrick, Patrick. Division. <laughs> yeah, the Patrick Division. Anyway, but you know what? The, the point is, he's been here his whole career. I mean, and, and we've had, there's been guys inside the division, like, like Crosby's not going. And the way they picked the All-Stars this year, the one rep from each team, it makes the most sense. I mean, guys in this division have won Stanley Cups. And Ovechkin, he probably has COVID. Um, <laughs> that's one of those, yeah, I, uh, me got COVID uh, late on the way to All-Star game. Uh, oh, okay, you're cracking at the Russian today. Look at you. Yeah, me bring, I bring, yeah, you know what? Like, it's like, okay, you got COVID. It sounds like one of those things, like, I think I just want to get out of this year's All-Star game. So let's just blame it on something. But, you know, I think at the same time with Claude going in, guys, I think it's a good thing for him. Like, it's nice that he's a captain and will be celebrated to a degree. It'll be the last time the Flyers see him in that setting. I only have one question, though, and he's getting off the plane. You know, does it have to be about Gritty? You know, the picture today coming off? I mean, why, Can you why stop is Gritty being a waiting? grumpy old man? Can you stop? I'm not. I'm sick stop of being a grumpy of old man. You guys, Sick and you guys have it. You guys have an agenda against gritty, and it is disgusting and deplorable. Now, I don't know if it's because <laughs> Anthony has been, you know, Anthony isn't the most follically gifted at this point. I don't know if it's because you've got some salt and pepper in your beard, but like, why are we attacking people who have, uh, you know, red hair? You know, <laughs> critical of Claude Giroux, critical of Jake Voracek, 
critical of gritty, you guys should be ashamed of yourselves. You know, I have a red-headed daughter, dummy. Listen, listen, I'm gonna well, I, I hope, daughter, uh, dumbass. This is so anyway, never mind. I'm not gonna, me, I'm I not just gonna wanna, make the, before I start, okay. I will not mention his name again. I would just want to tell everybody gritty okay. actually flew in the private plane with G and the family. And the Flyers people, he got changed in the back of the plane, and then they designed it all. He came out and made it look like he was waiting. Hundred percent, that's what went down. I will guarantee you. They sell him away. G G drank beers with Gritty on the flight out to Vegas. Hundred percent. So I want to. I want to. Can we break this out a second? Does Gritty stow away underneath with the luggage, and then just like come up through the floor, like in Mission Impossible? I think it was. Is Gritty sitting like? Is the person inside of the gritty costume the one who's drinking the beer, or does the guy get dressed up in the gritty costume and just pour no. the beer through the gritty mouth? Because I he would drinks. love to imagine, I would love to imagine that that gritty just smells of you know stale uh, nat- natty ice is what I want to imagine. Uh, That's what gritty smells. Plus, like. I will, I will end with this. The guy um, is whether you like it or not, and it's a fact to them. He's probably those two people right there are the two most important faces of Philadelphia hockey. If you think about it, when you really boil it down, there's nobody that's more promote, promoted more than the two of them. Um, no, Gritty does not sit with the suit on on the plane. He will actually go to the back and change. It's really quite neat. It's really quite neat. Like the time I pulled up on the Philly Fanatic and he's getting dressed in the back of the van, and I was going to a game. It was actually at one of those events one day, and I looked in the back and gave a wave. <laughs> so I was parking next to it. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, really. I, hope that, I hope that they do... I hope that um, I don't know if the league, if the national broadcast will do it, but I, you know, I got to imagine that that uh, NBC um, as Philly sends at least a camera out there, maybe maybe something, in, and kind of just does a nice little treatment of Giroux this weekend. And yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's like what it, I mean. They, they need to. Him. They really need to do something because again, this is it. I mean, this is the last hurrah for him as a flyer. Um, you know, from here, it's just going to, it's going to go quick. Right. I mean, yeah. you, you know, it's, it might be 15, 20 games, whatever it's going to be before he's traded. Um, but it's going to go fast. And, and, you know, before you know it, blink and blink of time, it's like, Oh crap, we didn't do anything on Giroux. So like, I think this is the time to do it. You know, you need content. There's nothing else going on right now. Send a camera, send a reporter, go out there and do a nice little piece on Giroux and, and their, and their kids. And, 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 you know, what he's meant to the city. It's, it's, it's really, it's really time to do that. You know, I, I, I don't have a good place to put this, but I, I do think that it ends up working out in a, in a fun way that Alex Ovechkin potentially getting COVID is the thing that clears the way for Floyd Giroux to be the captain. I think we can all feel good about it. And I like to imagine that Ovechkin was just kind of like off on the side and he was coming up with like ways because we we know that Alex Ovechkin loves Claude Giroux so much that he he conspired to try to make him the captain right so I want to imagine that Ovechkin went off into like a void kind of like where I'm sitting at right now where it just looks like a like a purgatory void and I want to imagine that Ovechkin was standing there with Giroux and he said Kutoeta and then Giroux uh, drops a little bit of uh, Russian as well and he says Eta COVID and then Ovechkin just goes, all right. Ovechkin walks over and he, he reaches out and he grabs the spike protein. And he says, Alex Ovechkin. And then that's it. And so that's, I, I love conceptually that this is what happened. 
so when we get our so when we get our one and two and three star reviews and people tell us that that russ is really pompous this is why they say that because he wants to show off the fact that he knows four languages or whatever the hell it is i didn't know russ was russ was a russian yeah there you go you know what though but we we talked about ovechkin though guys i mean it's just it's so funny because he's been to so many all-star games he's having a marvelous season um but you know i mean it I'm, I'm certain he has COVID, but again, I, you know, guys want to play in the all-star game, but it is a good, Anthony, I agree with you. It's a great thing for Claude. I mean, put him up there in, in, in the spotlight. He deserves that for what he's done here in Philadelphia over a, a very long career. Um, I know what it's like playing here a long time. It's not always, a, 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 you know, a, a bag of roses, guys. It's hard. It's tough sometimes. And even with all the celebration that he's had around him, there's also been moot points too, right? Where people have pushed on the other side of that. So sure. I think he should be celebrated. Uh, he's been a great Philadelphia flyer and, um, and you know what guys deservedly. So I think it's a great thing that he's a captain of that all-star game. And I hope it's celebrated as such. We won't see much more of him here in this city and he does deserve an applause from everybody. Just so for now, being here that long yeah. alone and having the career he did yeah. is, is, a, is a significant thing, in all, you know, on its own. Now that we've gotten the hockey part out of the way, I want to, I want to kind of turn the page here a little bit to something that we've become made aware of in a sense there have been multiple people who have now reached out to, uh, I know, Ant, to me, I'm assuming to you as well, Bundy, that some of the things that we've been seeing over the last week or so, and Anthony wrote about this over on Crossing Broad, uh, the, the organization is now cognizant of the fact that they have burned or at least lit on fire many of the bridges that had previously existed to a, a large segment of the fan base. Doesn't mean the whole fan base, but a good sizable chunk of the fan base that had started to feel alienated or has felt alienated over the last few years. Uh, Everything has just kind of come to a head. This is what happens when teams are bad. And it appears as though the flyers are beginning the process of trying to address it. We've seen it in a few different ways. Uh, It goes back to the game where the the road conditions were really awful. Wasn't a huge crowd. Um, I mean, there haven't been huge crowds anyway, but this one was especially bad and a, a, a few thousand Flyers fans went down and, and like fought through hellish conditions to get down there and support the team. And the organization waived uh, parking prices, gave free concessions. They upgraded everybody who was in the upper bowl to have a seat in the lower bowl. All of those things were almost like reminiscent of, of what I think we would have expected from the past, but hadn't seen recently. So that seemed to be an olive branch. And I don't know how much you want to dive into this one, but it it would in fact appear based on some of the things that we're hearing that the message that has been coming from a large segment of the fan base and admittedly loudly from us, especially Bundy going on to national radio shows talking about what a shit show the organization has been. uh, It appears as though it's starting to get through. Yeah. And I think it might've taken that. It might've taken Bundy doing some national stuff to really let the message hit home because it's one thing for the three of us to sit here and say it on snow, the goalie. It's another thing for you know, to me to write, write about it on crossing broad. Um, we have an audience, there's no doubt. Um, and, and we have a vocal audience, which is great. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think we hit every Philadelphia Flyers fan in the market, right? I mean, I think that there is still a, 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 a good segment of that population that, you know, either doesn't know we exist or, or doesn't read our read what I write or, or listen to what we say. But getting Bundy, you know, 
to saying things on on you know Sirius XM and and Canadian radio and and things like that. I mean, and and having national personalities talking about it and then getting a few local stories now other than us starting to seep out i think it i think that the message got through like shit we better do something we better do something and and do something quick and now whether whether or not this is purely op for optics you know we'll see um whether they really truly are going to try and do things differently we'll see i mean there's a lot there's a lot that has to happen this isn't just a oh we'll make like one or two small changes and everything will be hunky-dory again they they got they got a ways to go they got they got a long way to go to rebuild those bridges but if they're willing to which they're they they're saying right now um, and in the story I wrote, you know, we talked about the other you know, doing some focus groups and um, they're planning a big town hall uh, in the spring, um, which I was told yesterday is going to happen. Um, so, you know, fans are going to have an opportunity to talk directly to executives and tell them, you know, what they're pissed off about. The, th- the things that we hear, the things that we get in our DMs all the time, they'll have that opportunity, you know, and we could sit back and be like, this is what we've been hearing for months and months and months. Um, so that those things can happen. And, and you know, and that'd be great if they do. And if look, if they address the parking situation, which they said they're already conducting a study to figure it out. Um, that is that is by far the worst thing. Worst part of the fan experience is getting into the friggin building. Um yeah. Uh, you know, even, even things like that. Yeah. The team might still not be right. The team might still not be good enough, but if you're, if you're starting to show fans that you care about what they, what they say and care about what they think it can engender the time that you need to get good again. Right. Um, But again, they have to, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. So they're saying it now and that's, that's good. It's, it's, it's not an admission that, you know, we were wrong this whole time. I mean, they're not going to come out and say that, right? They're not going to come out and say, we were wrong. The guys on Snow the Goalie were right. You know, they're not going to, we'll never get that gratification. Um, but at the same time, it, you know, this is kind of them saying, okay, let, let's really look at it because maybe we aren't, we are missing something. They have, but they have to then take, take the next step beyond. It's one thing to look at it, it's, you know, and, and analyze it and look at the data and look at the analytics of it. And that's great. But then take that information and 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 make it make it a reality. Because if you don't, if you sit there and go, well, it doesn't seem to be as bad as maybe it. You know, our numbers don't maybe aren't as. Bad. We just got to get to a certain point to be back on the on the bottom line on the plus side, and that's all we need to do. You can't do that. You got to go full bore. You got to go the whole way. You got to you got it's got to be a full on re embracing of the relationship between organization and city. And then if that happens, good on the Flyers, good on Dave Scott and his team and Val Camillo and good on them. But it has to happen. If it doesn't happen, then where does, where does that leave it? That leaves it back to us being critical again and identifying that they're not, you know, that they're not doing they're, It's just an optical thing. I'm willing to give them the time. I'm willing to give them, show me. You say you're going to do it. I'm on board with that. That's great. But I got to see it. And until I, you know, if I see it, You'll still get, you'll you'll get support if you if I don't see it if it's just we're we're just throw you know throw, trying to pull the wool over your eyes a little bit guess what <laughs> then we're not we're not going to stop we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and I think that that's and I think that that's fair and you know and I think that I would hope that they would they would recognize that as fair as well that you know we're willing to you know give give them the time to show it that they're going to do it but you have to show it you can't just sit there and and make pretend. 
This is a classic case, guys, for me. I think when you look at it in society itself, you know, first of all, a lot of people would say they wish corporate America never got involved in sports to begin with. Yeah. Uh, I have three daughters. I have also have a 15-year-old son. Any one of my three daughters could go do talk about the history of the Philadelphia Flyers and the sports in Philadelphia that people love, that resonate with them. And I think the big thing that I've gotten out of the last two weeks, especially after the snowstorm uh, and maybe some of the other situations that have, that have gone on, um, and when you compare them to the other resident of the Wells Fargo Center, um, they're not hitting the notes that they did before. There have been snowstorms before, guys, where it was packed yeah. 19.5 during a, a snowfall, snow, whatever you want to call it. People were there. I've been to games. I've played in them. I broadcasted in them. It's hard getting out after, but people love the Flyers. So when you have a history of a team that has been celebrated, and listen, I mean, Mr. You know, so we call Mr. Snyder, but Ed Snyder did things. I'm sure some people didn't love it. It wasn't always perfect. But as a, as a, uh, a figurehead owner, he built what he thought was the best inroads to make that the best experience for, the fa for his fans. And what, what he was lucky with with this franchise was the fact that that team had won in its infancy, right? A lot of the, the – Philadelphia is as celebrated a franchise as the original six teams. Anthony, you've been around those buildings, the Montreal's, Boston's, you know, Detroit, the old rich heritage. Yeah. And if you heard Nick Kiprios last week talking on, on, on the Fan 590 podcast, um, that, that right there, um, they could, he says St. Louis and the Flyers are like the two additional teams to that original six. That's how much uh, it's been celebrated through the area. So when you have somebody come in, uh, and again, it doesn't matter where I, you know, I would say, I always believe you should have somebody from Philadelphia doing the marketing or running the team because they have a true understanding of the fans are able to, to take their own experiences and, and add that to what the fan experience is. For example, Peter Luco, he and Tildra, those guys understood this fan base. They understood the pricing, how things went in and out. You can't just come in and take 50 years of success, snap your fingers and say, you know what? We're going to change it because we're the new thing in town. And guys, listen, let's face it. That's what happened. That's what Valerie Camillo and her team did. She came in here and said, I don't want to have any more of these relics of the past. Let's get rid of the, the Kate Smith for whatever reason. Uh, let's get rid of the, uh, the legacy of Ed Snyder. Let's start firing alumni one by one. Yeah, there's a lot of alumni people. We haven't even gotten into that. Uh, people say, you know, you ticked off, but of course we were ticked off, but I'm not holding a grudge. But yeah, these are the things that people don't want. Because of the voices of the, uh, the, of, the, of the Philadelphia Flyers, the community outreach, when you go out and you shake hands around the building, these are all part of the things that I've learned from my tenure with the Philadelphia Flyers and actually made me a better person and understanding of the sports city. The fabric of Philadelphia is really truly revolved around its sports guys. I mean, you can have influx of, of different uh, um, opinions and viewpoints of whether it's politics, education, whatever it is. But the one thing that unifies this city and most cities, especially the passionate ones, is its passion for sport. Right. And for the love of the teams in that community. And I think what's happened with the Flyers fan, they picked the absolute worst team, perhaps in all of sport. Besides, I think I said it before, the, the Raiders, in terms of whatever city they're in for that logo and probably the Dallas Cowboys. I know people will hear it. Those are our figurehead teams. They, they, they capture every corner of, of America or Canada. There's fans everywhere of the Flyers. Trust me, guys. When I say it before, I've been to L.A., there's 4,000 Flyers fans. Yeah. That doesn't happen when the Florida Panthers visit, visits L.A., right? So that's the part of, of what's happened here, of what they've done. They've ripped the history from the team, and they've tried to secure a present in the future that does not resonate at all with a market that's like Philadelphia. If you want to do dumb stuff like that, go do it in Arizona. 
Nobody's going to notice, but you can't do it in a city like Philadelphia that gives a huge shit about its sports. And that's what's happened. Got to be better. I'm with you, Anthony. I commend them for putting it out. But as they say in Alcoholics Anonymous, it's into action that matters. It's not the words. It's into action. And so we'll see if that happens. Well, Russ, I, I want you know I want to see what you think about this. And again, and the reason I, I want to throw it to you is you know all right, Bundy and I've been around for forever. We're old. We're, <laughs> we're older, right? But I mean, you know, and and yeah, and, and I you know I grew up here. Not that you didn't, but you grew up in freaking Schuylkill County, which doesn't really count. That's right. Um, uh, but no, but you're a younger guy, and and you're a different generation. So how do you look at it? How do you how do you embrace this? this thought this thought process that they can you know that they're going to do this and they're going to go you know take these next steps and try to um you know reconnect with the fan base but at the same time because you're always been you've always been a guy who believes in you know appealing to a younger to the younger crowd because that's you know that's your generation i'm of a lot of minds on it right like on one hand i understand why the organization needs to repair bridges like there i think it's really easy when you're in your early 20s to look at season ticket holders as kind of like um not the enemy but as like why would we ever feel bad for these people they have enough money to go out and to buy season tickets so like why do we care what their perks are why do we care if they feel like they're treated well if not tough shit go buy single game tickets whatever but like the thing is you get a little bit older you realize that season ticket holders in, in a way are kind of like the lifeblood of an organization. Like they, they are the ones who for better or worse are kind of like the backbone of the fan base. And, and in a way they're kind of like a, a liaison between the average fan and the organization, because they're the ones who are putting all this money up front. And so they theoretically should have a voice of some sort to the organization. And typically with town halls and such, and with surveys like we're seeing going around now, that that's kind of how this should work. I think that like the, the problem and, and Bundy touched on it is you had a bunch of people who came in who didn't really understand the area. And I think they, I think they thought that they could get by with lack of understanding or with lack of knowledge of the market itself and kind of learn on the fly. And I don't necessarily fault them from the perspective of like that probably works in a lot of places, but it doesn't work here. You know, we, uh, we, we, we talked about this a bunch of times, but like Val Camillo's from, uh, came to the team from the nationals. Mike Shane's a Pittsburgh guy. And they are two of the people who are running the, the, the business ops side and are in charge of, you know, figuring out how to appeal to the fans. And, and you have like this whole marketing thing that, that I think has kind of been a disaster. And I think in most markets, it would have been fine, but it doesn't work here. And I think that they were just a little bit, maybe too sensitive to criticism. Like, I think that there would have been a way. And I think ultimately, if they were being honest with themselves, they would probably recognize the fact that like two years ago, when we had been raising some of the concerns, that if they had addressed them then, it never would have come to a head like it has. And like, and I know that you and I had had conversations with people in the organization two years ago saying, you need to address these things now, because if they continue to fester, like at some point, it's going to get really bad. And when it does, it's going to blow things up. And the thing that I think is probably 
really important to point out here to those people, especially is like you and Bundy both have a lot of equity within the organization, not from a, from a shareholder perspective, right? But like you guys have worked for the team. You've given a lot to the organization in different ways. And like, you don't want to see this team be berated and dragged through the mud and made into an irrelevant or an insignificant organization or team. Like ultimately we all want the same thing, which is for the team to be good, for the fans to be happy. And we luckily have a big enough platform that we can use whatever influence we have to, to bring fan concerns and season ticket holder concerns to people who have direct impact on how these things work. And so like, I think there was always a misconception that like we were being critical because we just like wanted to cause problems. I don't think that's fair. I think no. it, I think it's just like any, anytime somebody is critical of you, you have two options. You can either try to take a step back and look from a macro perspective and say, how, like, is there any merit or truth to what's being said? And if so, how do I address it? Or you can be reactionary and you can be petty. And I think that that's what the organization, what some people have opted to do for the last few years is just to kind of brush things aside, be a little bit petty and, and think that things were just going to get better because you have to be competent in a job to get a position like these people have gotten with the organization. You don't just luck your way into it. You don't just like walk into a role off the street. Like you have to have done something decently well to, to, to get a position. We might not agree with everything that these people do, but like, you, you have to do something to get to a certain level. So from my perspective, I look at it and I say, we all want the same thing. We all want this team to be more than it is right now. And unfortunately, all of these awful things happening together in the way that they've dealt with fans and the way that they've dealt with season ticket holders and the way that the hockey ops side has just misevaluated talent over the last few years. And, and then you have COVID and injuries and everything else. All these things coming together have rendered this franchise effectively irrelevant in this market that used to have a rabid, passionate love for this team. So it, it is of the utmost importance that the business ops side and the hockey ops side work together and figure this thing out and turn it around. Because say what you will, winning will cure all wounds. It will, it will begin to heal the divide and, and bridge those gaps that have, you know, really been exacerbated over the last year and especially over this season, but they all have to work together and they need to be able to take criticism. So I think it's a great thing that they're going to do this town hall. Those people are going to have to have thick skin the same way that we kind of lauded Dave Scott for at least going out and we didn't agree with his message, but like the fact that he put himself out there, knew that there was going to be blowback. These people are going to have to be ready to take a, a ton, a ton of heat. And let's just hope that when they are confronted with things that people are passionate about and are upset about, they do better than Rocky Wirtz did. Yeah, guys, I have to go. I got a, a, an appointment, but I really, uh, I'll catch up after the All-Star break. Good luck to Claude this weekend uh, and to Grady uh, having ball out in Vegas. Guys, have an awesome week also. And yeah. uh, great stuff again. Yeah, go we'll Flyers. Have a good one. Catch uh, we'll you later, pal. Yeah. So, so you know, wanna, I, get, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that was a pretty good transition. Um, to shame we had to lose Bundy at that point. I mean, just with timing element for this week. And, you know, just as a, as a programming reminder, next week it'll be just the two of you since I am going on vacation. 
so it'll be just you and bondy next week uh, <laughs> get the word out but uh but no you're right i mean as bad as things are here right now russ and there's no doubt they're bad it can't it's, it's worse in chicago and oh, yeah. what is taking place around the blackhawks right now I, I i don't know how how the league doesn't intervene and this makes the league look bad too they will though i, I think they will you think I, I they will? Wanna, I mean, what will they, what will they do? What kind of sanction? I don't want to. I don't want to derail you, but like, let's call it what it is. Anytime a team makes bad national news or international news, because this is a a U.S. and Canadian league, but obviously there are fan, fans around the world. The league is going to make it known at some point that they are unhappy. I fully, in my heart of hearts, believe that the NHL was very well aware of the criticisms that were levied against the Philadelphia Flyers this season. I would not be surprised if at least one or two calls were made from the league office to perhaps as high as Brian Roberts, maybe to Dave Scott saying, fix this. And so it it wasn't as if it was all just like a local in-market thing, right? Like we talked in the past about Brian Roberts probably said to Dave Scott, your job could be on the line or like, you need to fix this, fix it ASAP or heads are going to roll. I think that there was probably that, but I also do believe that like given the importance and as Bundy said, like the flyers are effectively looked at or have been looked at almost as like one of the original teams in the league, right? That somebody from league office probably said, this can't happen. Like you need to fix this and fix it now. Uh, I assume that is true. I will, I fully believe it is true. I have not heard it from Gary Bettman's mouth from Bill Daly's mouth, but I very much expect or, or uh, believe that that is the case the league has to do something here with Rocky words. They have to, uh, I, I don't know. I think maybe you would be better at, at kind of setting up what happened here. They were holding a town hall and it was, yeah. there were media members who were asking questions and Kyle Beach's name came up and it was from what I remember, it was a question more about, you know, you've said about this culture and about the, the need going forward to make sure that things like that can't happen again, or won't happen like that again. And the, and the guy, maybe the, the wording of it seemed a little bit more critical, but it was effectively like, what is the organization doing to make this better? And what happened now? Yeah. So, I mean, that was, and, and I think that you're right. And I, I'm glad that you said it, said it that way, because I think that the, that Rocky works, who is the, the owner of the, of the Chicago Blackhawks or a managing partner um, at least. Um, and he seemed to get his backup when Mark Lazarus asked the question about the Kyle Beach situation and, and immediately thought it was like, well, here we go again. We're going back to this thing that took place 12 years ago that came out six months ago. Uh, I'm not talking about, we don't want to talk. We want to look, look ahead. We want to go forward. And then Lazarus clarified what he was asking me. He's like, no, no, no. I, Rocky, I'm asking you, could we talk about what the team is doing going forward? And he, he stuck by his guns for whatever reason. Like he was really mm-hmm. mad and angry that this was even being brought up at the town hall and basically said, no, we're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about the situation. We're not going to talk about what we're doing. Nothing. He says, it's, it's not none of your, basically said, it's none of your business. Is basically no, he what did. He said, he, said, he said, it's, it's yeah. none of your business. And yeah. that if somebody in the organization asked what was being done, he would give that answer, but it's not their business. And by the way, I don't know who the other person was on stage. There was a guy, uh, center, center right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who yeah. said, well, I would actually like to talk about what we're doing now because he understood the question. Rocky Words clearly did not understand. Rocky Words 
heard one or two trigger words in his brain and was like, we know. Yep. And it was awful. But this other guy was pretty much like, hey, I, you know, I, I'm actually happy to talk about what we're doing, you know, as an organization yep. to prevent these things from happening. And Rocky Roberts said, no, 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 we're not, we're not answering that. And then he just went on this fire path. He just like went scorched earth on this, on this reporter. It was a horrible look and it, it immediately went viral. And I saw somebody had uh, tagged Elliot Friedman in it. And Elliot Friedman was like, I saw this live and it was horrible. So, yeah. I mean, listen, as things, as, as bad as things have been on different fronts here in Philadelphia with your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers, like at least it ain't this, you know, no, exactly. this is, exactly. this is abhorrent <laughs> behavior by an owner of a professional sports team that had a horrific allegation levied against them. Uh, and we went into detail about this when, when this came out, but like horrific things that happened to Kyle Beach and cover-ups and everything that, that went on with the Blackhawks. Rocky Wirtz is lucky that he was allowed to own the team and survive that. Because if this were the NBA, Rocky Wirtz would be out on his ass. NBA owners yeah. have lost their teams over, over far, far less. Yeah. Honestly, I'm shocked that Rocky Wirtz is able to to still own this team or to still be a front-facing member of the top of the organization. But it got worse. I don't know if you want to break down what happened on the follow-up from another writer, but it, it actually got yeah, worse. Was, yeah, no, it did. It got there was a follow-up question about transparency. Like he said, because Rocky was Rocky had come out and said, you know, when this whole thing broke that the team was going to be more transparent. And the follow-up question, um, and he, he, you know, Rocky got more adamant. He's like, I already answered. He said, I told you, get off the subject. We're not going to talk about it. You know, uh, we read the report. We're moving on. I, I think you're out of line. I don't like your questions. Why don't you ask something else? You know, why are you bringing up old business? And then even, like, criticized the newspaper that the guy, um, that the guy works for and saying, like, you're, you know, your newspaper is falling apart and, you know, it's, it's not doing well. And like, it's like, why are you going down this path? Like, I can't. I unforced believe. errors. Just unforced error after unforced error. Yeah. Terrific. And it just, it, it just looked, it's, it was just awful. So yeah. I don't know, he apparently he put out a statement um, during the game. <laughs> they played a game last night against Minnesota. And apparently he put out a statement. Um, afterwards you know apologizing for it i i have the statement here it said um uh tonight at the chicago blackhawks town hall my response to two questions crossed the line um but, 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 but i want to apologize to the fans and to those reporters and i regret that my response overshadowed the great work this organization is doing to move forward we have the right leaders and the right processes in place to create a safe environment for our employees and our players um but it doesn't matter. Like at that point, you, the, the, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube at that point. Like that, yep. what was said was said. And it just was more tone deaf than anything I have heard. Like we, you know, we remember, I remember going through the episode we talked about when, the, when this whole Kyle Beach thing broke, just how, how disgusted we were with the Blackhawks then. Mm -hmm. and, and to be in this position now, and to be just as, and to be even more tone deaf now, after all you've been through, like. I, the only thing I can compare it? this to is like, this would be like if after the Sandusky thing at Penn State, and sorry, yeah. I, I know we're about to upset all the Penn State people, 
But no, like, you're right. if you're if after the Sandusky right. thing, if 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 like the new uh, president of the university had been asked like a year later, can you can you and the new athletic director and even like the new coach, can you guys explain like what's being done to prevent the possible abuse of children or young young people by coaches or whatever? Can you explain like what is being done? Because you, you made that a point when the Sandusky thing, you know, happened, blah, blah, blah. And if the new president or coach or athletic director had said, no, we're not talking about that. We already had that. There was already a, a court case. There's already a report. There are multiple things. We're not getting into that. And it's like, well, no, like we're, we're talking about the, the protection of children. Like, can you, yeah. like you said, you said you were going to be transparent. No, 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 no. We're not talking about Jerry Sandusky. We're not talking about the people who were affected. We're not talking about, no, 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 no. That's the problem. Like yeah. it's, it's just as egregious because again, Kyle Beach was a minor. Uh, or, uh, there was a, a minor who was eventually. Um, yeah, it wasn't Kyle Beach. It was the minor. There was he wasn't the minor. minor. He was he was a young player. Yeah. There was a minor down the line after the the Blackhawks failed uh, on many levels to uh, to effectively prevent this guy from ever working with with hockey players or with anybody or with anybody young ever again. They they gave Quenville gave that freaking letter of rec and all that nonsense. Right. I don't understand how you could be so tone deaf. Uh, if if here's the best way to put it. You're an owner of a team. You have a PR staff. The PR staff preps you, right? The same way that when Dave Scott came out a week ago and talked to the media, you know that Dave Scott had talking points. You know that there were things that, that were brought up with him. Like, hey, if, if this kind of question is asked, like maybe kind of point towards these positives that are happening within the organization. If this comes up, you do basic prep. Either Rocky Wirtz just fundamentally blew that stuff off. The PR staff totally failed him. Or he just decided to go like old angry man. I don't know what happened, but you cannot under any circumstances have that kind of reaction given the topic at hand. Mm -hmm. It is totally inexcusable. The league has to do something, whether it is, um, you know, having him replaced as whatever the forward facing person is. And he just kind of goes off into obscurity if they're not going to have the, the balls enough to actually take action. Uh, I can't imagine they're going to force a sale of the team. But like they have to do something, and the league I think has to come out and and emphatically um, denounce his comments and the things that he said. The league has to distance itself from Rocky Wirtz and this absolute cluster f that he put on full display at a town hall meeting. Yeah, and I'm not sure that I mean, and maybe I'm going to look right now because I hadn't seen, but has the NHL put something out? At this point, I'm not sure. I I didn't see anything. Okay, it's possible. So, I think that's just kind of where things are at, though, right? Like, this kind of thing can't happen. Yeah, and they it, have it. They have, and they and put it is, out. and it is absolutely a case study for any other owner of an American franchise or of a professional sports franchise. You can't let this kind of thing happen. That's no, it. You absolutely cannot. It's totally inexcusable. <sighs> Uh, so. It just it just it blows me away. So that, so that to to our flyer fans that are listening, it could be you could be in Chicago right now. To keep that in be. mind, it could it could be worse for you right now. Um, wow, man, Russ, this has been uh, it's been one heck of a you know it's been a heck of a week around the hockey team or a week and a half around this hockey mm-hmm. team, um, and. and 
I'm curious to see what happens next. I mean, obviously there's nothing happening in the next seven days because they don't play again until next week. Um, when the Red Wings come in, uh, coming off the all-star break. Um, and so it's going to be kind of a, a real quiet week. So, you know, God bless you and, and Bundy having to do a show next week with not a lot to talk about. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, I, oh, you know what? Here's an interesting wow. topic. And so, someone asked me this. I actually got this as a DM. Um, and I, I definitely want, I wanted to comment on it. And maybe this is something you guys can dive into next week. Obviously, Giroux is going to get traded, right? We, we know this. Who's the next captain? I don't think you name one this year. You probably don't, but who's your next captain? I don't know because I think the team needs a fundamental overhaul. Like I think obviously the, the first name that comes to mind for most people is going to be Sean Couturier. I don't know if Sean Couturier is a captain. I don't know how he's viewed in that locker room. I, I don't think that there are negative feelings about Sean Couturier, but, and, and this could just be me, but What's one of the biggest criticisms levied against Claude Giroux in his time as a captain? He's quiet. He's yeah. not vocal. He's passive, right? Yeah. He's a lead by example guy. No. I think that if you're going to try to turn things around here, you need somebody who's going to be vocal. You need somebody who's going to, that Philadelphia fans can identify with. And I know that that's probably putting like an unfair expectation and maybe it's putting a huge burden on a guy before he's even named captain. But I think you need somebody who embodies the passion of the city. And I think that again is another way that you can connect with the Philadelphia sports fan. Like that person has to have the fire. The reason that Chris Pronger was so popular here wasn't just because he was a hall of fame defenseman. It wasn't the fact that he, you know, elevated this team to making a Stanley cup final. It was because Philadelphia fans felt like despite his very short time here, he embodied what it was to be a flyer and what it was to be a Philadelphian. So I don't know if that guy is here. I honestly don't yeah. know if there's somebody who's in that locker room who like the fact that nobody comes to mind is kind of indicative of what I think is a problem. If that's so, the kind of so guy you're going to go with. Yeah, so the question came from um, at Dave Bo tweets, um, big uh, big listener uh, of the podcast, and, and he asked and he asked the question, and he gave a suggestion. And the more I think about it, the more I think he might be onto something that he actually has someone on the team that would fit the role. Is it he a is it a is it a center? Uh, potentially plays multiple positions. I know exactly who this is going to be, and it's not a good idea. He says, I think Scott Lawton would be a good, uh, would be a good uh, captain. Um, he seems to always talk to the media, was signed long-term. His nickname is Sarge, which is new. That's a new new nickname for him that we haven't heard uh, previously before. And, it's, and he compared him, and this is a very good comparison. He compared him to Dustin Brown, the captain of the LA Kings, who's okay. never been like a, a top player for them he's always been like a third line guy for them but he's been their captain and was their captain for both stanley cup victories um and it's like maybe that's the kind of player that you need somebody who's going to be you know balls to the wall all the time every game and you know you heard mike yo talking about it last game the other the game was over in the last minute of the game last um against winnipeg flyers are up three one i mean it's down like i thought it was like 30 seconds left 
And you got a guy like Lawton throwing himself in front of a shot to try and block the shot yeah. of a game that's already over. Um, and, you, and you talk about like, you know, the way he plays and the things that he says and the, you know, he's like, there's a reason that he's wearing a letter on his Jersey right now. And it makes you wonder, it makes you wonder if, if in fact, that's the kind of personality, even if it's not a long-term answer, even if the next real captain isn't even in the organization yet, isn't on the roster yet, is, is he a good bridge captain? Maybe he is. It's a tough spot. I think it's a tough spot to be in because a, I don't necessarily think that your captain has to be the best player on the ice, but I think that it doesn't hurt. And so if, if the idea here is that you're going to make a middle or, I mean, I don't even know if we'd really consider him a middle six, four, a bottom six forward is going to be your captain. I'm not so sure. The one thing that we have said, and, and, and I think maybe the only reason that there could be legs to this uh, is that over the, the last few years, especially since you and I started doing the show, we have noted on many occasions that in meaningless seasons and seasons where everything's gone to hell in a handbasket, Lawton's always out there playing hard. And, but again, like that feels like much more of a lead by example. And now he chirps, like we know that he chirps. Konechny said on the show before that like, it's him and it's Lawton. They're the two who are getting into it with the opposition the most. I don't know though. I almost feel like they're better to just do captain by committee even for a year. Like, I know that you're like, I just don't see the point of naming somebody as an interim captain or or like as a stopgap captain. I just don't, I don't think that that's what this team needs. If this team were like to go into a rebuild for a year, right? Like, or, or we knew that they weren't going to be a legitimate playoff contender next year. I just go captain by committee. I don't see the point. I think that it it's better to open it up, open up the competition on and off the ice and see if somebody that you didn't expect rises. If their voice in the locker room becomes more and more impactful. And maybe you'll get a dark horse candidate that you wouldn't have expected really takes a, a massive leadership step in that locker room. To me, that's the way to go. Because otherwise, like what, I mean, honestly, what, what else are you going to do? Are you going to make Kevin Hayes the captain? And Kevin Hayes might be a nice guy and they might like him and everything, but to me, he's not a captain. Ivan Provorov, he's not a captain. No. Sean Couturier, I think you're just going to have the same problem that you have with Mike Richards and, and Claude Giroux. You're going to make your best player, or, or in, in Richards' case, arguably your best player, a captain. Now, luckily for Couturier, he's had time in this league. He's not as young as the other two were when they were named captain. But you're potentially putting Sean Couturier, who's your best player, in the position to be hated by the fan base because there is going to be criticism levied at the captain if things don't go well. And I just think you're setting that up for, for failure. So I, again, I don't think the captain's on this team. And I think that's actually a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. That's where I'm at. Could be, might be right. But I think it's an interesting discussion point. Um, And the one thing I will say is this is in the past, I can't think of a time I would have to really go back and look, but I would, I can't think of a time when this organization has ever gone without a captain and they've traded captains in the past. They've traded them and then immediately named somebody to replace them. Right. I mean, yeah, it's happened. Um, I'm, I'm just curious. Like, I'm just curious if that's something that they're, if that's another franchise tradition, they're willing to 
separate themselves from. But I don't think it's I a big know. deal. I think that well, any Flyers fan who's n- honest with themselves neither do would I, agree with Russ. That. Neither do I. I don't think it's a big I think I think and I said I've said this a million times. I think the whole premise of captain and alternate captains are way overrated because mm-hmm. their their role, the whole premise of having players wearing letters on their sweater is to say they're the only players who are allowed to interact with the officials on the ice that you are designating those players as the players who can go up to an official and ask why a call was made a certain way, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. That's the premise of them. We've turned them into, these are our war generals. Yeah. (laughs) And we're not going to be able to win unless we have a great captain. There are leadership groups in locker rooms that it doesn't matter who the captain is. It doesn't matter who the alternates are. There are players who are, you know, better in the locker room than others. And, you know, early in Giroux's career, Kimo Timonen was the guy in the locker room. Yeah. And when Mike Richards was the captain, Chris Pronger was the guy in the locker room. And when Wayne Gretzky was the captain, Mark Messier was the guy in the locker room. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is, right? I mean, it just, it doesn't. So, so yes, I agree with you. It doesn't matter. But we were never. We are never going to convince this fan base that it doesn't matter. So, no, for the fan base that it matters, for the fan base that it matters to, it's a worthy conversation. There is a way, but it it comes at a price that the organization won't want to pay, and it's one that you fundamentally disagree with. If this team, as we've said seventy thousand weeks in a row now, if this team did what the Rangers did and said we are trying to turn this thing around and we have a plan, but it's going to take a couple of years. If you articulated to the fan base that like we are not under the impression that we can contend right now, we need to build it back up. If you had that open and honest dialogue with your fans, then they would, I think, be more likely to go along with no captain. With the exact express thing that I said, we are giving every player the opportunity to find their talent find the best way to utilize their talent on the ice and to take the next step as a player in the locker room. And we're going to see where the, where the chips fall. We'll still have the alternate captains, but at this point we don't feel like it's in the best interest of the organization to name a captain right now. And if somebody comes along and they grab that, that role, then by all means, we'll, we'll put it out there. But until then, no, I don't know. Listen, I think the the most important thing that we could do right now is just get to the five-star reviews because people go out of their way to leave five-star reviews. And at this point, uh, they continue to just increase. And we're very grateful to all the people who take the time out of their day to, uh, to leave them. So, all right. Four. I think so. Uh, I've got one here from H-D-U-E-H-E-J-E-J. So somebody had a seizure uh, or, or face planted on their, their, uh, keyboard at some point or maybe there's like a meaning to it i don't know is that h h dewey Jedge? i don't know is this like beetlejuice best flyers pod love listening to this podcast on my way home from work russ bundy and ant tell it like it is and what every flyers fan wants to hear right now the honest truth of the team and organization bundy being on the pod is such a great addition to ant and russ i miss bundy being in between the benches during the games and then doing pre post game live he offered by far the best hockey insight so it's great to hear him back uh, talking about the team in some capacity, even though uh, Comcast may hate him. Looking forward to having more episodes in the future. We have another one here from 
Christ 1989, excellent analysis beyond just hockey. This team has sucked and been lifeless for a decade, which has infected the rest of the organization since Ed Snyder's death. While some writers bizarrely blame the fans for being angry and not adequately appreciating a guy breaking an Ironman record, when of those games he's played only 40 in Philadelphia and the team set a franchise record losing, yes, losing streak, these guys correctly diagnose the issue is much higher. Instead of just digging in and doubling down on their ideological preferences, they take actual information sourced from the organization and properly and constructively diagnose the reasons that the fans are upset and accurately call for needed change instead of just sitting around filleting young players who amount to nothing. That the podcast remains can't miss week after week, despite the horrific team it's dedicated to, speaks to the true understanding of the deep relationship between the organization and its fans that has crumbled in recent years. It's obvious the criticism comes from a place of trying to repair that relationship and isn't just snarky haterism. Only criticism is that Anthony seems to genuinely want to kill Russ about every 1.2 episodes, which can be a bit awkward, and Russ takes Twitter criticism a bit too personally sometimes. Bundy rules. That's all fair. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty accurate, too. I, I'm pretty sure you wrote it. All right, uh, let's go to Dave Ark 609 new listener. Finally started listening to the podcast, but sometimes saying nothing is better episode, which should be mandatory listening for all Flyers fans. I've been going back to listen to previous episodes and really enjoy the analysis and insight. It's even more entertaining than having gritty chase hot dogs in a goofy video game. Ah, yes. Love that. And then last I one. I that video game's doing, by the way. You know what's weird? Dave Ark. Dave Ark 609. Dave Ark 609 left. Oh, okay. Dave Ark must have gone back and like edited their previous one because it shows up as a second one. So they made like a, a slight change here, but it's effectively the same review. So thanks to Dave Ark. It only counts once, but we'll we'll take it. Yep. So we are now up to uh 235 five-star reviews, 239 five-star ratings. Not bad. We're getting there. Yeah, it's good. Slowly but surely. We always love, listen, we get it. Sometimes it's not like the most convenient thing to do. It's like leaving a product review for that Amazon thing where they send you like 17 things. This seller would like a customer review. We're not asking for that. If you want to, by all means, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. You don't know how to do that. Find somebody who does and it'll be great. If you're listening on Spotify, go to the show page, click on the Snow the Goalie logo. And then right below it, you should see where the star ratings are. You can click there, leave five stars. That's great. That also helps as well. So um, look, we're trying, if nothing else, we are trying to give you good coverage of the team and the organization and all the things that are going on, on and off the ice in what is a lost season. But there are still things that are worth talking about. And I think it's probably safe to say that, you know, we will be at some point breaking down some of what we're seeing on the ice uh, as we get a better idea for like where this team is heading and what direction they're actually going to take leading up to the trade deadline. But it's also possible that we're going to dive into some more like general NHL storylines, because I don't know about the people who are listening, but I think there's only so many things you can say about like Jerry Mayhew. I think there's only so many things that you can say about uh, insert the name of random player that you've only ever heard of once or twice before. I don't think that there are people right now who are clamoring to find out about like a potential third round pick from Sweden who might be entering the draft. So we'll try to keep it upbeat. We'll try to keep it creative. We'll try to keep it going and, and make this awful season feel a little bit less awful every week. We're thankful as always. 
And I know that it, it might seem like patting ourselves on the back, but it is nice to see that the listener numbers have gone up, I think almost every single week this season. So we're obviously touching on something with a large segment of this Flyers fan base. So that's always a great thing. Whether you love us, you hate us, you love to hate us, you hate to love us, or you're just indifferent to us, but you listen every week, we're always grateful and appreciative. So, and anything you want to say before we head out? Uh, it'd be nice to get away. Nice to get away on going to some, going to sunny Florida this week for That's a good spicy. week. Nice week. Nice week away. You know, it's a, it's an early birthday present. Early for birthday yourself. Present. Yeah. Early birthday present. Well, I guess, and, what, do you uh, want me to sing you happy birthday? No, no, because I'll be back before my birthday. My birthday's not until the till Super Bowl. Super Bowl Sunday is my birthday. So well, uh, I, you, can, you can sing it next week on that. You and Bunny <laughs> can do a duet. You can do it as a... I don't know when the hell Bunny and I are going to record. Yeah. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, Anthony, but the Super Bowl tends to be a place where, and a time of the year where there's a massive uptick in legal online <laughs> sports betting action. And I have been working around the clock writing. I feel like I've written things on... 12 different sites right now in the last week my uh my big board of of posts to write is just getting bigger and bigger every day so you can go find all the things that that we're writing um that that bob and i have been putting out into the universe you can now find our betting stuff on crossing broad and elite sports new york and bro bible uh and pittsburgh hockey now like we're everywhere we are everywhere amny I mean, we're, we're just everywhere. Metro Philly, we're there too. We're just writing the stuff. We're, we're taking over the sports betting game. You in Louisiana? Yeah. Sure are in Louisiana. You can go find things over on SaturdayDownSouth.com if you're an SEC fan. It's a great site. <laughs> but yes, Louisiana sports betting also live. So if you're listening to us and you're down in the Pelican State, which probably is the Pelican State, not the Bayou State. Do you know how many people from other companies wrong? call it the Bayou State? It's not. It's the Pelican State. The Pelican is on the freaking state flag. You might want to call it the Bayou State, but it's the Pelican State. Yep. Anyway, if you're listening and you're down in Louisiana or you're down that way, Louisiana is really the only state in that far in the South that has legal online sports betting. Fun little tidbit. Only 55 of the 64 parishes in the state have access to legal online sports betting. Nine of them voted against it. So if you live in one of those parishes, you have to go out of your little area I guess the parishes are like counties or something. You have to go out of it into another one to sign up for the sports book and place your bets. And then you can go home. Silly, right? It is crazy. It is silly. It is. But it's kind of weird. It's like, it's like when we, you know, it's the same thing. If you're, if you're uh, a PA gambler and you happen to, you know, go across the bridge for some reason, like you maybe still can access it for the first couple minutes you're into Jersey and then that's it. And then it goes off. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not that different. Well, and there are also sports books that are available in Jersey that aren't in Pennsylvania. Like all of the really yeah. cool Caesars ads that you see, you have to go to New York or to Jersey to access them. The $1,500 deposit match, you can only get that in Jersey or New York or one of the other states. Pennsylvania technically has a Caesars app, but don't use it. It's, it's no bueno. Not, that, not that this bet, is a... Points bet is not in Jersey that, as well and in not that, New York. Not so. that this is a betting podcast, but I think this is, you know, I'm sure we have some people who bet on that are listening in. I, here's an interesting question for you, Russ. Mm-hmm. Since you're so deep into this and this is just a layman's question that i would have are we going to get to a point where neighboring states will allow you to transition from one state to the next? Like if you're if you're commuting from one state to the next 
to still be able to access your account or, or at least have it be, be one that could be considered a multi-state account kind of thing. Are we going to ever not, get to that point or are we going to, is yeah. it always going to be cut off by the borders? Well, I'm not sure how this happened or how this worked, but I know that when I was at a bachelor party in Jersey, I placed bets on one of the UFC pay-per-views over the summer on my DraftKings and my FanDuel app. And I don't remember downloading separate New Jersey apps. Interesting. So make of that what you will. Not saying that that's like a, a be-all and all or that's a catch-all or anything, but I, I do not remember having to download separate apps. Maybe I did, and I just don't remember. It was a bachelor party after all. So small nuanced things. I can tell you though, I am an idiot savant on UFC. I have now won 17 consecutive bets on UFC pay-per-views. What that means, I have no idea. I'm just good at it, you, I guess. You just start putting them out uh, on You know Twitter what it is? In advance. I feel, no, I'm not. People, you know what's funny? Give people a UFC, chance to win money. Do you know what? You know what's actually kind of funny? UFC is, I love, because um, I feel like you can learn so much about how a fight's going to go based on the body language of the combatants as they enter the arena. Like, you could just, you can fundamentally tell that somebody, their head is in it or their head is not in it. And in the in the instant, like when Conor McGregor like broke his ankle or his leg or whatever, when it like snapped in half, that dude was never going to, was never going to win that fight. You could just see it when he came out. It was false bravado or bravado. By the way, Francis Ngannou, love Francis Ngannou, made some money on good old Francis, <sighs> heavyweight champion. Be still my beating heart. From Cameroon, by the way, just like Joel Embiid. Anyway, we've now ranted far too long about things that aren't hockey related. Hope, uh, I don't know, Hope Springs Eternal with the Philadelphia Flyers on and off the ice. We'll be back again next week with a new episode of Snow the Goalie at some point. I don't know when. If we don't, or if we, for some reason, aren't going to be able to find the time, we'll put it out on Twitter on the Snow the Goalie account. So uh, thanks for listening. Find Anthony on Twitter at Philly, Bunny on Twitter at Cterian6. I'm on Twitter at Joy on Broad. You can find all of these links in the description below. You can just click on our Twitter handles there. No, 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 redirect you to Twitter and you can hit follow. Isn't that lovely? It's so nice. Anyway, thanks for listening. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Spread the word about Snow the Goal of the Only Flyers podcast. And we'll talk to you next week.